Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Oscar Watch Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Buja, and joining me again from last week is Greg Moberg from This Was Rad Podcast. And Greg, I have to say, Argo, fuck yourself. <laughs> Argo, fuck yourself, Steve. Oh, man. Thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. No, oh, I had such a great time last uh, last week with the Deer Hunter that good news, ladies and gentlemen listening out there, Alex uh, is possibly returning. Uh, his schedule has uh, – there is a chance his schedule has cleared up and he may be back. But we will continue to have guest hosts. We'll probably ask Greg back and we will have other people coming on later on as, uh, as, the, as the series continues. So – Hey, may get back to may get back to one, but for right now, we are here with Greg, and we are talking about the 2012 Best Picture winner, Argo, from director Ben Affleck. Uh, yeah, it was uh, Greg. This is this is the most recent movie we have done. Uh, had you seen this film before? I had not. Uh, this is a a first time view for me. I watched it this afternoon, uh, and I really enjoyed it. Oh, that's well, that's fantastic! I look forward to hearing your thoughts on it uh, later on in the show. Yeah, it's uh, it's a you know what I will say it's a very good movie. Uh, a little a little bit of history with me: I had seen it back, I had seen it a couple of times back in 2012, which is a rare thing for me nowadays. I mean, I used to see movies you know twice in one day for all I know, but to see a movie twice at all in the theaters that is a rare treat. And on my other website that I, we shall say, run called Same Night Movie Review, this was the number two movie of that year for me. Uh, and I, uh, number one, in case you were wondering, was uh, Looper. And we will get into all of these movies later on uh, in the next segment. But for now, I will say it is. it was a great movie then. It's a good movie now. I look forward to. I was looking forward to revisiting it to see how it had held up, and I must say it has held up pretty well. And again, we will uh, talk about it a bit more. But Greg, just like how are you doing in general? We can talk all about movies later. Now's the time to talk about you. What's going on in your life? Um, same old, same old, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> um, still plugging away with uh, with this was rad. We just did our live show. And by live show, I mean we had like four or five people over at Paul's house, and we uh, recorded a live episode, uh, w which was interesting and really fun. So, um, yeah, after you, you've listened to this in its entirety and the entire back catalog of Oscar Watch, if you haven't, uh, yeah, check out check out my, my This Was Rad uh, podcast, uh, specifically the one titled Rad, the, the BMX movie um, that I had never seen, and wow. Wow! Was, <laughs> why was that a movie? It, it was definitely shot on film, perhaps, oh, or was it video? I have no. Well, I'm pretty sure it was film. But like, you know, you know, you're in trouble when you put in the DVD, and it's clearly like a VHS recording that somebody put on a DVD. It wasn't in. Oh. It wasn't in widescreen, and like you could see the tracking like screw up every so often at the top of the screen. It was really terrible. Wow, that's something special, and that's something kids don't get to experience these days. They experience picture perfect sound and picture every single time they throw in a DVD. We had to. We had to. We had to. I remember the tracking button. We had. To, we had to work for that. Oh yeah. Uh, it's. Uh, I, I. I feel. I feel a whiff of nostalgia. 
just a, it's a pang in my heart just thinking about the the tracking lines and shitty VHS dubs on the oh, other things. You remember <laughs> six six hour long tapes? Remember that? Oh, I remember being like, I can I can record three movies onto this. Oh yeah, <gasps> and it'll look That's... like complete garbage. <laughs> um, yep. One thing that I will say today, whatever today's actual date is, I think the twentieth is the the day Japan is no longer making VCRs. Really? Like yep. yep. The th- last th- VCR that has ever been made in Japan was today. They are done after today. Wow. Wow. I that's that makes me sad and I am also surprised it had not happened earlier. I you could have told me the last VCR stopped being made in like 2010 and you wouldn't have surprised me. You yeah, probably could have told me it was earlier than that, to be honest with you. Because, I mean, when's the last time you've encountered a, a VHS player not at, like, a yard sale or something? Like, it's out, outside of, it's, I'm, you know, it's... I, I encounter them where I work because we have, like, a dub room and stuff. So out of necessity, <laughs> right. we have one. But, like, yeah, it's weird that... Somebody somewhere was saying, I, and maybe that's why they were making them for like for dub rooms. I don't know. Possibly, I like yeah. In, in back in my production days, we always dubbed onto Betamax. If you want to go correct, ridiculous, obsolete technology, it was Beta. Always, always Beta. Uh, always Beta. It's it's superior. It's great, but not as commercially viable. Yeah, well, it's more but, expensive, so you know. Right, right, but wow, VHS is gone. That's so weird. It's one of those things that you always, you always think about. Like, would stick around. I like. I'm told that maybe like records, people would be like rediscovering VHS because there's a lot of films on VHS that are no longer available on DVD. Right. You know, haven't been printed, and they will never be printed. Like, just terrible '80s. Right. Right. Movies. Well, it's so now we're not going to be able to see them. It's weird. Well, you can find other things, but. You what huh. what I mean? I wonder how many of those have been digitized by at home people. But like, yeah, just due to like rights and stuff. There's tons of movies, especially a lot of documentaries that like will never come out because the rights are just so tied up. Yeah. Wow. Like, so you yeah. hear? So you hear that hipsters? You should uh, you should get on that. You know, records. Cassette tapes, VHS, just just start start bringing that stuff back and preserve a little history while you're off being douchebags. I guess. Yeah, that's not that sounds good. I like I like the sound of that. I like the, yeah, that that'll that'll work. That's our that's our pitch to the people in Williamsburg and Greenpoint. Just a stone's throw away from me. We'll <laughs> <say>. <laughs> but uh, you know, I think uh, I you know bring it back to the movies. I think Argo would have looked great on a great on a VHS if it if it has the look and feel of a 1970s thriller. Obviously, it takes place in the 70s. So all the costumes and whatnot are are there. But you can, I could totally see I could totally see somebody in the 80s or 90s watching a movie like Argo on VHS, which bears a lot of similarities, I think, to certain thriller like political thrillers, like All the President's Men and a lot of the Alan J. Uh, Palooka films of the, of that era. 
it's got a it's got a great look to it that I think would really translate well into uh, the VHS medium. It looks great on DVD or a streaming service or what have you. But uh, I'm I'm a, I'm a little sad that the film that movies can't get the you know the the two VHS uh, treatment anymore or whatnot. Yeah, it's a damn shame. Damn shame. Well, I mean, you know, you you barely had to put up with. Uh flipping the dvd over remember when that was a thing when dvds first happened i do i do remember i remember having the matrix when that like the first million seller how the first like big dvd and it's like oh you got one side or the other side and, and like also there was like widescreen and yes and regular and, and regular four by three and i was just like crazy that you had a choice yeah, and now it's, it's interesting. like, why would I ever watch this at 4x3? Yeah, <laughs> why is a great question, because nobody would. It's a terrible <laughs> idea. It's a terrible idea, and that's like most movies are shot widescreen, and it's just, it's absurd. Yeah. What do you think is going to be next? So we have so we have digital. You know, Blu-ray is kind of fizzling out. Everything's gone to streaming now. So we're just getting movies, like, beamed directly into our eyes or something. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, there you go. I don't know. I I get really nervous with that sort of stuff with digital because it it's so far we haven't hit anything where Amazon has said like, oh yeah, we know you bought this movie, but we didn't re up for the licensing, so you can't access half of your library now because you didn't buy the movie, you just bought the rights to it, and those have expired mm. now, so you're out of luck. I think. If that happens, or if it, or if there's enough cases of it, people will start to freak out, and then they'll want to buy physical media now. But I feel like it's a real hip thing that kind of started with MP3s, where it's like, oh yeah, all my stuff is just files. It's just bits and bytes. It's I don't actually own. You know, I mean, it's it's trickle it trickled down to to movies, and there's a huge push now for video games to just everything be available yeah. online and. I don't want to actually have physical media taking up space in my house. There's no point for it. But yeah, I I don't know I, if and, we'll ever get away from physical stuff purely because I think there will be some people who are just like, no, nah, I don't trust it. You know, I have a disc. I know I have it, you know. Yes, absolutely. And there's also and, and there is the sense of um, people have a collector's mentality like i had a huge I, st I still have a huge dvd collection but now they're all you know due to the size of the apartment i live in they're all kind of now in just a folder and even then i don't i don't bring that out so it's uh it's it's weird i was looking at the blu-rays I, I do have the other day and none like all of them are from like i think the last blu-ray i bought was like 2009 or something and that's seven years ago like i just don't i just don't collect them because you know i stream them on netflix i download them on amazon and whatnot and there's this and i don't feel like i own it but at the same time it's super convenient for me because it's not take, it's just taking up ones and zeros on my hard drive and not and not any space, but it's, but I do feel a little bit of a loss for you know, especially because I you know I've been to a friend's house where he just has a wall of of Blu-rays that's just amazing to look at, and I there's not that connection to them. But even then, the Blu-rays are just they're still it's like it's just ones and zeros on a on a disc at this point. It's 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 a strange it's a strange feeling, strange bedfellows that we have here. 
Well, and that's, you know, like you have people like Quentin Tarantino who kind of hates all things digital. You know, he shoots his movies on film because he is, right. he is, I remember in an article, he was like, well, no, that, that's what I like. I like 24 pictures a second. He goes, that's, right. that's the, the optical illusion that I like. I don't like ones and zeros, you know, and, and, um, he did that thing with the hateful eight where he like actually put it on film, right. And toured it. Yeah. He, um, yeah, yeah. I saw that he shot it on, he's like shot it on 70. They could only you know, like just it, watching it in 70 millimeters. Like, holy crap. But I do recall there was a, the time when they were screening it in like on third Avenue or something like that here in the city. On 70, but the 70 millimeter projector broke because they had to like cobble <laughs> together a bunch of different things. Right. And so they showed it digital and everyone was like, it looks really good in digital. <laughs> so why are we doing it in 70? Like why, are, like you could shoot it on 70. Sure. But why, like why bother displaying it? Cause right. if you've ever, if you, if, if you've never seen a 70 millimeter film, uh, like you've, you've seen a film frame. Now just imagine that just, but like for a three hour movie, like the reason there's an intermission in there, I think is because they had to physically, like they could not fit it on the platter of, of the IMAX, right. uh, the IMAX projector. Yeah, that stands to reason uh, that they were not equipped for that. <laughs> yeah. So, but and it's just, uh, it's just weird. Like I like, I'm sure the 70 millimeter prints of the hateful eight will exist 50 years from now. It's like there's a fucking EMP blast. Like we might lose tons of digital media and it'll just be, awful and we won't have any movies and it'll just be we'll, we'll all have to go back to you know physical copies and using old school projector reels and, and stuff like that it's it's a strange thing and we have gone on a very odd tangent we're supposed to be talking about argo when we come back from the short break we're going to get into the year 2012 which you all should remember because it happened recently and we'll talk about the uh, winners and losers at the Academy Awards of that year. So do stick around. We'll be right back. Well, let's recap the outstanding nine nominees for tonight's best picture. Amour. Argo. Beasts of the Southern Wild. Django Unchained. Les Miserables. Life of Pi, sorry. Lincoln. Silver Linings Playbook. Zero Dark Thirty. Obama, do you have your envelope? Not yet, Jack. But I'm about to. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and now for the moment we have all been waiting for. And the Oscar goes to. Welcome back. Argo. We are talking about Argo. I'm your host, Stephen Buja. This is Oscar Watch. And with me is Greg Moberg from This Was Rad. And right now we know that Argo won Best Picture. But who did Argo have to beat to claim that prize we're going to be talking about the 2012 academy awards the nominees the winners and the losers so argo 
Three Oscars. Best Picture. Best Adapted Screenplay by Chris Terrio, based on the book The Master of Disguise and, a, I believe, an Atlantic article. And Best Editing. The other nominees for Best Picture. Greg, what are we looking at here? Well, this was one of the years that they nominated um, just, I think, as many as they felt needed to be nominated. So you wound up with nine total nominations for Best Picture this year. Okay. So you had uh, Argo, which, of course, yep. won, because that's what we're talking about. You had Amor, which I did not see. Have you seen that? I have not I have not seen it. I hear it's great. That's the Michael Haneke film, or how do we pronounce it? believe that is correct yes that's right i'm told it's fantastic okay um, but what else beasts of the southern wild fantastic movie which i again another one that has escaped me that i've heard nothing but good things about uh django unchained one that i've actually seen mm-hmm. speaking of tarantino that's yes. shooting on film it always comes back to quentin tarantino in one way or another uh les miserables <sighs> I, I I hated that movie. <laughs> full disclosure, I cannot stand anything about Les Miserables. I don't like the music. I don't like the style of musical. I don't particularly enjoy many musicals. They are just not for me. So okay. I'm sure That's I would fair. completely dislike it if it's like <laughs> the the stage version of Les Miserables, which I'm sure oh. it is. It um, has uh, Anne Hathaway's great in it, but it's a it's just a badly constructed film. I just hated the editing and the camera work, and it was like, ah, oh, you. This is just this is just bad filmmaking. I just totally. I just can't stand like it's one of those things where everybody sings everything they're doing. Oh, so annoying. And I'm like, okay, so I can funny. I can kind of get involved with a thing where like, oh, we're doing kind of this weird, exaggerated version of life. And then we're going to break into a song. But when you're singing everything, I'm just like, uh, what? just talk to someone. Just talk. Yeah. Anyway. Have a conversation. Yeah, just have a conversation. <laughs> Not for me. Uh, you had Life of Pi, which is another one that I saw that I was very surprised how much I liked Life of Pi. I liked Life of Pi a lot. I, I liked Life of Pi a lot. And Ang Lee won Best Director he uh, did. for it. The, he did. So, which is time number two, because he also won for Brokeback Mountain. Oh, that's Back right. Man, when killing yeah. it, killing it with those two movies. Fantastic, so it's good. fantastic. Yeah, right. uh, you had uh, Steven Spielberg's uh, Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Uh, DDL. I, uh, yeah, of course. Anytime that guy. Do, do you think like all the other people that get nominated against him are just like, well, why should I even show up? Yeah, I, I definitely, and th- I think there were some really good nominees that year but there's like well what's there like, there, there was, was playing like yeah it's like come on yeah daniel day lewis was up against um bradley cooper for silver linings playbook hugh jackman for les mis uh joaquin phoenix for the master and denzel washington for flight okay all right that's all right that's not the strongest like it clearly no, it's, it's it's clearly, yeah, clearly the winner there is daniel day lewis but um still um so speaking of silver linings playbook that was also nominated for best picture and uh, Zero Dark Thirty, which I did see and I thought was ridiculously overrated. Agreed. I'm not uh, – wasn't the biggest uh, – it, it, they talked it up so much and then it was like, oh, it's just a kind of a whatever movie. I wasn't, wasn't, wasn't feeling it. I, just, wasn't I mean I, I think to be totally honest is like – especially kind of coming off of the Hurt Locker. 
like which which is I think such a great 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 movie. Um, Zero Dark Thirty was just like okay, yeah. There's there's nothing wrong with it. It's not a bad movie, but I I didn't understand kind of the critical acclaim. Yeah, I don't know. I just I don't. I think it was uh, just you know it was about a a nationally uh, you know it's about a political subject that everyone has an interest in. It had uh, what's her name? Not Bryce Dallas Howard. The other one. Uh, uh, Jessica Chastain. Yeah, Jessica Chastain. True story. All that. It had all the elements. It, it had all the elements of what should be a great movie, but it was just it was kind of, I guess, dull. I wasn't. I was was never really engaged. Dull is a very good word. You had that like the like the kind of like the torture scene at the beginning was kind of like the high mark. And oh, then yeah. that 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 was like really intense and like really well done and disturbing and kind of in your face. And then I guess the raid on the compound at the end was pretty solid too. And then kind of everything else in the middle is just like, okay, we get it. <laughs> yep, All right, it's like let's move this along. It's like spy work is a bunch of procedural bureaucracy. Right. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. Just get just it. like in, in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, it's like. Yes, the most exciting thing I did was uh, steal a file behind my back. That was the most <laughs> exciting thing I did in my spy career. <laughs> like, <laughs> so those were the uh, those are the nine movies, and I have to say, when the Academy chose to switch the number to be anywhere from I think it's eight to ten movies, I I look at them and I go, okay, I'm still only seeing five actual. I'm hundred percent agree in agreement with you. It, 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 it's just padding. It it, it, really it really, it's, it's it's padding. It's marketing. It's able to say this movie was nominated for an Academy yes. Award, and yes. that will provide some sort of boost. And it can you could slap it on the DVD cover, and that's about it. So to that end, I'm going to say Argo clearly was one of them. Uh, Django, actual contender. Lincoln, contender. Uh, I would even Lions say Bl- Life of Pi is a contender. Life of Life of Pi, and a, you know, maybe Silver. Like people seem to really love Silver Linings Playbook. I would love to say Beasts of the Southern Wild was like the number number five one, but I don't. I don't think anybody saw it, which is a damn shame because it's such a fantastic movie. Uh, and like, uh, so maybe Silver Linings Playbook or Zero Dark Thirty, just because people love Zero Dark Thirty for whatever reason. Uh, but the the rest of them. Eh. Like late lame is screw it and just, uh, just yeah no lame is would not have been on there on a five movie no. nomination list no way definitely not definitely not but what but do you the, what uh, do you the... what do you think out of the okay. nine do you think do you think Argo was the was the right choice I will save that opinion for uh, for later but I'm good but you know what you know, actually you know, screw it spoiler alert. I think I, you know, I may have gone with I may have gone with Life of Pi or Lincoln. I I really like Lincoln. People people are down on Lincoln, but I think Lincoln is just a fantastic movie. It's great Spielberg. I don't like I don't know if Argo would be it, and I look forward to getting into those reasons uh, in the in the next section. So uh, all right, yeah, I'm just uh, yeah you you do you wanna you wanna you wanna spoil it or uh... yeah sure sure I mean out of out of the movies that I've seen. On this list, so out of out of Argo, Django, Life of Pi, and Zero Dark Thirty, I I think Argo is probably the one. 
I gotta be honest. Okay. Argo's probably the one. All right. Well, we're gonna have we're gonna have we're gonna have a conversation, sir. But uh, j- uh, just briefly, in 2012, there were lots of other movies, and there were lots of other movies that I think maybe should have won or, be, or been dominated and whatnot. Uh, it was uh, it was a good year for people who liked things blowing up. I think actually yeah, there, there was some good stuff. All right, my favorite movie of that year, hands down, was Looper, the Ryan Johnson time travel movie with uh, Bruce Willis and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. But you also had the Avengers. It was pretty fantastic. I don't know. Are you a, are you a Marvel Cinematic Universe fan? Uh, you know, uh, I I tend to enjoy most superhero movies, and yeah, okay. I do. I, uh, I I think the first Avengers movies probably. One of the best Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, uh, hands down. It's that's uh, great, fantastic. I think I, th- I think it's Avengers and Civil War. They're like one and two right now. Although it may change uh, depending on my mood. I really <laughs> love Civil War. I uh, I was particularly fond of Moonrise Kingdom that came out in 2012. Oh yeah, that was I, a great movie. I I, that I was am lots of fun. I am a fan of. Uh, of of uh, Anderson in general, but uh, Moonrise Kingdom, I I, I just I, I don't know what it was about that for some reason. It's just I really enjoyed it a lot. Nice. I didn't I didn't get to see it till later, but I remember being like, this is this is great and charming and full of the just the right amount of whimsy. Uh, it's great great Wes Anderson flick. Great Wes Anderson flick. But uh, let's see what else came out that year. Oh. Yeah, speaking of uh, Joss Whedon with the Avengers, he had Cabin in the Woods. He helped write that, which I think is hands down one of my favorite commentaries on the horror, the entire horror genre. And it's one of the it's one of those movies where I go, if you don't like this movie, I uh, are we gonna be are we gonna get along? I'm, I'm, great, I'm curious. Great uh, canary in the coal mine, absolutely. Oh, it's fantastic, and uh, I think one of my all time favorite action movies, The Raid. Oh, oh man, the raid is good. <laughs> I I actually thought you were gonna say Dread, which came out in 2012. I I I have that on there as well. Oh, Very similar. So good. I, but man, the, but not to skip over the raid. If you have not seen the raid, you need to do yourself a favor and track that down. Because that movie is like, oh, here's like five minutes of exposition, and now it's gonna be a fight scene for 85 minutes. It's yep. crazy, and it's so good. It's. It's, it's like I haven't seen anything like I'm like you know like even with the the old school you know uh, martial art films I'm like this is just this is, this is a cut above this is just amazing oh, and it crazy is, it is it's 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 kind of and this is going to be dating me it's kind of like when I was a kid and I rented Hard Boiled the the the, the oh, John Woo film yeah. and I was like oh oh this is what Hong Kong action movies are like whoa. It's, wow. it, yep. it really reminded me of seeing that and being like, "Oh man, like this is, this is like from outer space. Like this is something so different. <laughs> it's so awesome and so crazy. Yeah, no, it's a absolute awesome film. Yeah, it the and this is one of the this is one of the kind of movies where I'm like, you know, Academy, you really need to have a stunt category. Oh, they should. Like, hands, yes, like, there's there was some phenomenal work going on in that film. That's just like. Somebody, somebody had to. Have, like, I, I'm sure many bones were broken in that. It just, it's just oh, you phenom- could have it's told phenom- me three people died making that movie, and <laughs> I would have been like, yeah, that sounds about right. That, no, that movie's <laughs> insane. Uh, and the, and the, I must say, this the sequel, while a little bloated, is 
also fantastic. It's just like there's a great prison fight scene that is a single take. That's just like oh my, oh my god, how did they even do this? And I get the ma- I get it. it's the magic of movies, but it's still just a wonder to behold the whole the whole thing. It's uh, it's fantastic. Wait a minute, you mean you mean the raid in its sequel weren't uh, weren't cinema verite uh, documentaries? They were uh, <laughs> not actual actual events. <laughs> It's a documentary that was told in real time. <laughs> that movie is essentially real time. The, the raid. It's it, it pretty much. It's yeah. It's pretty. It's like a, just the night. It's just ninety minutes of yeah. It's literally kicking. Yes, like yeah. It really is. Uh, what what else came uh, out in twenty twelve? That's on your list, okay, Steve. Well, well, you know, other movies that year that are not not necessarily good, but are we're talking about uh, first and foremost, Dark Knight Rises. I. I oh, really not like this movie. oh! I wanted to like you so much. Dark Knight Rises, so much. Speaking of speaking of movies that are bloated yet somehow not fun or good at good at stuff, Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, I oh, yeah. It it makes me appreciate the the like two hour runtime of Argo so much more. It, Argo just gets right down to the point and it's like all right, yeah. and we're and we're telling it, and there's nothing, there's no excess here. It's just. It's just a movie. We're telling the story, and that's that's all we need. It's oh, Dark Knight Rises. It's just, I didn't didn't like that. And speaking of good looking movies, Prometheus. Ooh, I forgot about yeah. that one. Yeah, man, that movie the sure mo- looked nice. <laughs> it's, it sure did. It had I, the oof. the movie was as bad as the trailer was amazing. Yeah, that's a really that that should have been the tagline. That should have been on the poster. As bad as the trailer is good. Yeah, man. Oh, really oh Prometheus. Just, what do you, why? Making no sense. Uh, it, 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 it makes none. And they're making a sequel. Yeah. You know what, you know what, uh, uh Prometheus would have been, would have been saved by if it was just two hours of Michael Fassbender's character. Just, just on the ship doing, doing things by himself. I, I would have liked that way better. <laughs> infinitely better than I, the film i saw i i feel like most movies if it's just michael fassbender for two hours they're suddenly improved yeah it's, well she's just, he's true. one of those guys certainly certainly x-men x-men apocalypse would have been way better if they had focused on him and just not not anyone not even the x-men it's like hey, we're just gonna focus on it's gonna be the magneto movie we always wanted but i man i would buy, i would go see that in a heartbeat uh, just, just uh, Michael Fassbender as Magneto for two hours. Sign yeah. me up. Yeah, hunt, hunting Nazis, and that's all he does. Like, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Speaking of uh, but, of guys, we could just look at for for two hours. Magic Mike came out in 2012. That was a pretty big movie. I actually was just watching Magic Mike Double XL. <laughs> also, a great movie. Channing Tatum is amazing. I, I I'm, I'm a big fan of the of of, of both those films. Both those films, but. All right, but we are getting a little little yeah. long right here. We could talk about 2012, which I think actually going over this list had some gr- had some good stuff that I think may 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 last a little while. But uh, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back. We're finally going to get into Argo. I promise you, people. Uh, so stick around. What does the title refer to? It's the Argo. It's the thing. Like Jason and the Golden Fleece, or what? No, no, it's the ship. It's the it's a spaceship. It goes, it goes everywhere. It goes all, all throughout space. So it's the Argonaut. No. What does Argo mean? 
I don't know. You don't know? It means I'll go fuck yourself. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for your patience. We are now finally going to talk about Argo, directed by the one and only Ben Affleck. Greg, you've hinted at it. Tell us your thoughts and your hopes for this movie. Well, um, you know, it's funny. One of the very first things I have written down in my notes is based on a true story equals total shit. Because I hate movies that say they're based on a true story. Because you might as well have just said, well, yeah, you know, it's based on a true story. There, there was a man and a woman one, at one time. <laughs> so it's based on a true story. Like, the, every movie that comes out, and I, I think maybe I'm a little too harsh on this because it's not really a, a biopic. Biopics are the worst offenders where they, they like, cherry Hate pick them. and they really crank up, like, I don't know, like, um, A Beautiful Mind is the one that, that I always think of. That is like, they really made that guy look way better than he, like, that guy was a piece of shit in real life. He was abusive. Um, he had been married once before and, like, left his, his wife and his oh. kid really high and dry. He had, he was, he, he used to, like, beat his wife in public. Like, he was a real jackass. And that Jesus. was just, com- yeah, completely glossed over. Like, oh, we don't need to show any of this because, you know, you need to feel good for for, uh, for John Nash when he gets his pen at the end of the movie. Like, you know, I don't know. Maybe. And it won and one Best Picture, 2001. It sure did. Um, <laughs> but I got to say, Argo surprised me. And I don't think I'm alone in this. I think Ben Affleck is shaping up to be an excellent director. Uh, he 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 is killing it with the movies that he, he directs. He is like to a point where it really shows that certain people know how to utilize actors because they were actors themselves and they know what those actors are really really good at. And Ben Affleck mm-hmm. is really like an actor's director. He really knows how to utilize his cast well. Definitely. And he, he, he juggles a lot here. He does. And, you know, it's kind of like you said earlier with, with the pacing in this film is perfect. There, there's, yeah. I don't think there's any scene, you know, you and I, we always like to say, oh, yeah, you cut 15 minutes out of this movie. I think this movie's perfectly timed. I don't think you need to lose a thing in this movie. Agreed. I, uh, honest, if anything, I feel like perhaps you could, if you wanted to add a little more, you could get away with that. But on the note of Ben Affleck being a director, uh, ladies and gentlemen, he has directed three films so far. He directed uh, Gone Baby Gone, which, holy shit, that's a good movie. Uh, the Town, which is a great, uh, a great like uh, Boston actioner, and this one. And he's also slated to. He's also now directing The Batman, a solo Batman flick, which is basically his reward for being in that piece of shit Batman versus Superman. I'm really hoping the Batman isn't the one that, like, kills his stride. I really, yeah. really hope. I, 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 hope he, I hope he does it down and dirty and it's not, like, an over-budgeted spectacle because there is he – does, he does things, like, it feels – like, I know there's, a, there's probably some CGI in here, but it's so seamless and it feels so very – like, everything is lived in, the the – the world, the world, the world of the seventies, which I never got to experience, is it feels to me accurate to, you know, 
all the things I have read and seen and seen about it that he he has such a good eye for uh, detail and for smaller smaller bits that I fear that he may lose a little bit of himself with when he's given a hundred million dollars to shoot Batman and has to follow all these studio rules when these do not feel like studio movies that he has made before. It's so, uh, so I, uh, yeah, he's just, he's, just, he's, uh, he's very great. Surprisingly, Ben Affleck was not nominated for a, uh, directing award for this one. I remember uh, he, that. Uh, yeah, he had, he had a couple of quips during, uh, some interviews. I, I, I remember. I, I can believe it. He's, he seems to – he doesn't play the game. He doesn't play the the interview game uh, the way that I think uh, the producers want him. So he will speak his mind yeah. about it. Yeah. And it, in do, and Argo winning Best Picture and Affleck not uh, being nominated for Best Director, that was the only – the fourth time that happened. The last time was 1989's Driving Miss Daisy. I don't even remember who directed that movie. No, nobody does. Uh, so it, Not even the Academy remembers. Yeah, yeah, it does. It, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. So um, maybe not the best company, but I feel like Affleck will be just fine. He picks good material, and he. Uh, you're right. You're, you're right. He's definitely an actor's an actor's director. He knows what they what they want in it. Yeah, it, it's uh, so, kind of kind of like um, you know what some of his movies remind me of, or some of the. This is going to sound a little weird. Is like the Rob Reiner movies, where uh, where you have. Okay, I'm following. Well, it's it's like um like like Stand by Me. Like you had all those kids, and Rob Reiner was got all those great performances out of those kids because he picked his cast very carefully, and he knew how to work those kids' strengths to get such great um. Uh, performances out of them and that's it's yeah. it's that's what it reminds me of is that um there's there's kind of this thing i don't know if you if you read like cracked um a lot they have these articles that they talk about um things certain actors do in every single movie they're in and it's uh, i think i may have yeah like yeah. like tom cruise always runs in every movie yes. he's in there is a scene of him running and it's because he looks really good running and it's like uh, like Brad Pitt is always eating something for some reason. It's yep. and, and it's 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 these things where like like Ben Affleck, Clint Eastwood, these these actors if they're savvy, they pick up on you know who's really good at doing these things? This actor. So we're going to get him in this movie cuz that's what this character does all the time. Whereas mm someone who's not quite dialed in at that might just be like oh we need a funny person let's just get this this funny person because he's funny where a, a more savvy director specifically an actor is going to look for those little character nuances that are already present in the actor okay yeah and i i think that pays off very well in this especially in the roles of John Goodman and Alan Arkin. Oh, hands uh, Alan Arkin, down. Uh, absolutely. Alan Arkin, who got a Best Supporting Actor nod for uh, for his role as um, what's he, uh, the movie producer. I, 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 I don't actually. know anybody's name in this movie. <laughs> this is one of those movies I didn't learn anyone's it, name. Yeah, It doesn't matter because he's Alan Arkin and he's... Yeah. Uh, him, him and Goodman are great in this. They're extremely well cast goodman can do drama and comedy like almost like 
from moment to moment. He can he can turn on Diamond. Alan Arkin's one of the all time best. In in fact, I think they're so good during the during the the scenes where they're making the fake movie. They're they're getting it all all together. They're they're backstopping it. I believe is the word they right. they'd call that. The film actually suffers from them during the actual escape because they're just waiting around for a phone call and you don't see them wheeling and dealing because it's there. Those scenes are a lot of fun. I found there was a, there was a great wit and energy to all of the Hollywood moments in this that the film doesn't quite replicate afterwards. Like it's very fun. It's, it's a very fun. The first act is like just amazingly the first and like second act are just amazingly like like quick and witty and then it becomes this very morose and dour affair where there's not even there's not even a lot of there's there's not not enough levity to really bring it out and i find that the best way to cope with some darkness and some despair is a little bit of comedy and i would have liked to have seen a bit more of that especially in the form of arkin and um John Goodman's character, but as, I mean, as it, as it still stands, it's a very tense thriller. But I definitely felt their their absence during the the back half of this film. Yeah, yeah. You you, you talk about maybe even making this movie a little bit longer, and I was going to say just throw Alan Arkin in this movie more because anytime he is on screen, especially with John Goodman, it's just awesome. It's he has the best lines in the movie, you know, like if I'm going to make a fake movie, I want it to be a fake hit, and, you know, like <laughs> everything, every scene he's in, he's got some killer line that is just, you know, so good. Oh man. No, uh, he's, yeah, he's... he is great. And, um, uh, no, go ahead. No, no, uh, I, I was going to say uh, when he dresses down the, uh, the guy who owns the rights oh. to the Argo, Argo <laughs> script. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, oh, also, side note, aspiring screenwriters, this movie taught me one one important thing. Have a very good cover right. on your screenplay. Like that's it. You it was, just, like you need you need to grab them. They will judge they will judge your script by its cover. They will pick it up because of it. It's like so note, have a black cover with like cool lettering. That's, that's right. all was, you need. It was You're the good. only black one in the bunch. Everything else was like, you know, blue and pink and Argo is the only black script. Only black script. Hey man, just to say note note to you aspiring screenwriters out there. Uh, <laughs> now um I uh, I, I uh, getting back to what you said about kind of how the 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 sections of this movie and one of the reasons that I think the editing does does this movie a really good service and um it won for editing, I believe, right? That was one of the Oscars. Yeah, that, that yes, it did. Is that it's absolutely deserved. Yeah, it's got 3 distinct stories so you've got sort of the the hollywood satire part of it you've got the sort of you know clandestine cia part of it and then you have the actual hostage uh situation and they're all cut together very very well you you do lose the satire thing i think at the end which is probably a pacing thing where they wanted to just make it tense and tense and tense and more tense and you know, and that's that's why I guess you kind of lose out on on Arkin and Goodman later on. But um, they they do a great job with uh, kind of coloring the movie differently depending on which part of the story, which story they're talking about. Um, and I heard that um, this was shot on film, 
and it was the uh, frames were kind of cut in half and then blown up 200% so they'd have a real grainy look to them to make it look okay. like a more 70s style um, film. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love stuff like that. Yeah. Little, 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 little bits like that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the colors, clandestine stuff, I think it was a little more blue. Yeah. Yeah, the, would be the anything in in Iran was uh, was a little more orange, orange. and the Hollywood stuff and, was uh, very like glossy and um, you know had a lot of like saturation to it. it. Had like really like colorful and glossy looking. Yeah, I could I can absolutely see that, and you know that's obviously a very distinct choice. That uh, is a con- that's a conscious decision on the the part of uh, Affleck that I'm sure he was like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have that, and it and it works, and I you can tell. Like, even if you don't consciously notice it, you will probably feel that it does. There is a difference here, and that's a very good thing for it. Absolutely, no. That's I. I now that I think about it, it makes total sense. <laughs> yeah, uh, I will say. Um, so you've only seen this movie once. You saw it today, correct? Basically, what was it like watching the final, like basically the escape? How did that play with you? Well, it I, I mean, I I knew that they all lived and and it really it and, and checking this out afterwards, it set off a lot of bullshit detectors. Um which which it turned out that that whole end scene was basically completely fabricated. Where oh, yeah. it, where where they're like, no, they basically they what actually happened in real life was the flight left at like four in the morning and they said that nobody was at the airport at four in the morning. Like (laughs) even like the militia didn't care that much to be there at four in the morning. So they just literally waltzed right onto the plane and left. There was, there was none of that, like getting pulled into another room and like a mad rush to make sure the tickets were working and, you know, uh, making sure that they, you know, calling to verify, like it was it was complete crap. Which so hey, go me for being able to see through, <laughs> uh, you know, writing to make things more exciting. But um, it works as a movie. It it makes it exciting, and you know, uh, um, you kind of have um, uh, some of the some of the stuff come back, and you can you know, in in those scenes, everything that they've set up pays off. So like the storyboards that they made actually pay off, and you know having having uh, Goodman and Arkin sit around you know pays off. You get to see them again, even if it's only for like a couple seconds, and all this other stuff. So uh, yeah. yeah, what did what did what did you think having seen it and having had time to think about it? Has that did it change from when you initially saw it to like thinking about it now? Yeah, um, there is the. There's the knowledge that okay, it's bullshit. I like I didn't I didn't know that it was so much bullshit that the time of day changed. But uh, I seeing it originally, I was like, this is a very well cut together uh, thriller scene. And and you're right, it does all come together. I liked how the you know make you know putting together the shredded papers that that everything coalesced at the same moment, which is exactly how a script is supposed to work. All the, all the elements are supposed to come together and then boom. Climax and the you know Denouement and all that stuff. Uh, it was intense the first time I saw it. Still intense the second time I saw it. And while it was while losing, you do lose something on the small screen. I gotta say, still very intense. 
and I have to, and that to me is the mark of a good movie when I know what's going to happen, but I still get a, you know goosebumps and you know. Uh, and the hair back of my neck stands up like I will never not be just filled with awe whenever Luke is making his final run through the, you know, through the trench of the Death Star. You know, there there are those moments. And I think this comes it's maybe not the most historical, iconic moment, but, you know, only time will tell. But it 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 did hold up very well, I think, you know, there's some. You know, I maybe was annoyed at some of the characters. I maybe, you know, maybe I'm not thrilled with Affleck as an actor in this particular movie. But I got to say, the uh, the editing for that final scene is pretty great, and it does keep the tension going to just the point of unbearability, but never crosses over where you're just like, it's I, I can't I can't even deal with this. And and, and you know, I and I knew going in that they everyone gets out. And it was uh, still just a great, uh, a great time. Those those last fifteen minutes were still just breathtaking to me. In that way, the movie oh, yeah. does a great job with tension. Oh. It's it's. Um, I think uh, Richard Roper. I think when he reviewed this movie, talked about how he said it's almost like Hitchcockian in its um, in its ability to like really ratchet up the tension, kind of continually throughout the movie without really giving you a break. And I'd have to say it's a pretty good description. Yeah, it is pretty good. There, there are so many elements working against them. The scene in the like, and there are all sorts of like, you know, it's basically just it's a regular screenplay. It's just you know we're throwing complications at them, but it's edited so well. You have the scene in the market when they're almost mobbed. You have the uh, you know when Tony you know, right before Tony's you know long night of the soul, he gets a uh, you know he gets the word saying the operation has been canceled so they're going to go ahead anyways but now they're without you know the the backing of the cia so they don't know if they're gonna have the tickets there and it's it builds little bits so beautifully that you can um it's like a good good on good on roper that is a a very accurate description (laughs) description of that it's uh it's you know Maybe I, I might be coming around to it. I might be coming around to my previous <laughs> saying that, like, nice. Eh, maybe this did. Maybe this did deserve it. Maybe this did deserve it. Uh, I will say, um, acting wise, Aff- Ben Affleck is not my favorite Affleck. I like. I'm, I'm a Casey Affleck fan myself. Uh, yeah. He's great in Gone Baby Gone, and I, like, I don't think Ben can really pull this off, especially because I feel that Tony. Uh, Ben Affleck's character isn't the most developed person on the in the uh, in the in the film. It, mo- most of the characters are not actually all that well developed, and very few of them have, I think, a definable arc. But Affleck may be an actor's director, but he is certainly a director's actor. And so if he and I don't think he can, but when he's one and the same, I don't think it really works out. And, you know, he doesn't and the material he has to work with doesn't play to his strengths. Casey Affleck, I think, would have been great hmm. at this. Uh, I personally but, interesting yeah, but I'm, to see that. It'd be a very different movie. Yeah, I, uh, would, I'd be interested in seeing that as well. Yeah, I mean, he's fine. He's he's a fine actor. Uh, you know, he's the best part of Batman versus Superman. I I don't know if he's the best for this particular role in um in this movie, but uh, 
did something right because you know if he does he does help carry it. Uh, yeah, I'm I've, obviously I'm more of a, I'm like if it was if the movie was just about the how it actually happened and it starred Victor Garber, who is one of my all time favorite people, I would totally be on board with that. But I guess I'll just have to wait for the documentary on how it actually happened, which I'm sure will come out at some point, like the real Argo or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Some, somebody at some point will decide to cash in on this. <laughs> kind of surprised it hasn't happened already. Right. I'm I'm also surprised that they haven't made the script. I, somebody, right. like, just toss, toss, a, toss a few million dollars at, uh, at someone and just make the original script for Argo. Just, I'm, I'm now utterly fascinated about that. I, I don't know if it was like really complete or what the deal was. Maybe, maybe you have some more insight into that, but I, I, I want to see this movie because it looks like a terrible star Wars ripoff, you know, with the tie dyed Wookiee and the yeah, C3 yeah. joke. <laughs> but, but, uh, but I had a lot, I had a lot of fun during those, those scenes at the beginning. Yeah. I definitely yeah. was wondering, like, I just, I, how much of a ripoff is this? Because like it looked like it was almost a beat for beat ripoff. <laughs> like for a lot of it, it looked like there was like a like a C three PO R two D two character. Like <laughs> looked you know like you had, you had the Chewbacca character and um you know you had one guy who looked like he was supposed to be Ming the Merciless, who was who Darth Vader was supposed to be. Before he got oh, changed yeah. so many times, so like, yeah, it was really, really. I'm with you. I would love to see. You know what? I'd, oh, love, the, I'd love to see an animated version. Oh, there you go. That could work. That could work. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. But it was the '70s, and you know, post Star Wars, everyone was trying to remake yep. Star Wars. Can't blame them. Yeah, the original Battlestar, and Jesus, so many other crappy side. Well, there. Yeah, beloved but still bad sci-fi movies yeah but, uh yeah i do i do like the uh i do uh, the the uh, the final shot of the movie i think is you know they're panning over tony's kid's room and he has all the figures and i was like man kid shouldn't have opened those like that oh, yeah. that doll would be worth so much right now so, I'm, so i always see stuff like that in the 70s i'm like oh man those things are in package it's like minimum like 500 bucks a piece it's, oh god yeah yeah it, and it was really it was really 1980 that was like things after 1980 are worth less things before 1980 are worth a ton is that basically like when people the collector mindset finally clicked in yeah like yeah there's 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 a i know there's a year with comic books specifically where they say anything after this year will not be worth a lot of money unless you paid a lot of money for it initially. Like it's a manufactured rarity because you, you hit a certain point where things were, were so many of them were created initially that they're just worthless now. You know, like, like, like comics just hit such a big print run that they're not rare. Toys were made at such a volume that they're just yeah, not nice. rare anymore. So, yeah. So my so my death of Superman is worth what five cents now? Yeah, oh, it's easily worth the price of the paper that it costs to get printed on. I'm sure. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Jesus, God, I remember those days. But yeah, uh, you, um, you you had mentioned uh, at the top of the of this segment about uh, how you know based on a true story is bullshit. Do you require 
a sort of historical accuracy in your movies for you to enjoy it? Well, you know, it's... I think I've kind of calmed down on this since in the past few years where, like, you know what? If you go into it and you understand that a story is just a story and you know that it's not remotely close to how things actually happened, then you can enjoy it. Um, but I, I guess just accurate enough that people aren't crazy angry about it. Like the people that were involved aren't, aren't crazy angry about how things <laughs> came out. Cause you hear about this a lot when like a film gets made about somebody's life and they like sue them and they're like, well, that didn't happen. You know, right. this is, so I guess accurate ish is, is what I like. Accurate ish. So, so there, so there is a point where, yeah, you can be, you'd be accurate, but you know, too accurate. Maybe it's not as exciting, but not accurate enough. And it's kind of loses the whole based on a true story shtick that they're going for. Well, yeah. I mean, if if you want to get into kind of like, like some, some personal things, like, uh, one of the things that drives me up a wall is when you're reading like a Facebook or like Twitter or whatever, and you have these these stories that are clearly shit that didn't happen, but they're passed off like they actually happened. And there's oh, there's yeah. kind of these hallmarks of all of these stories. One is like dialogue that never in a million years would have been gone back and forth between two people. And, you know, because I'm a person and I've heard people talk and nobody has perfect dialogue like they wrote down. Um, another one is uh, people clap at the end of the story. Oh, That's yeah. that, that has literally <laughs> never happened ever. Um, the classic one I always throw out when I know a story is bullshit is I'll always say, and that young man was Albert Einstein. <laughs> because <laughs> Because that's like one of the original shit that didn't happen, which is like, it's like a... Uh, this like professor is trying to convince everyone that God doesn't exist. And this student stands up and is like, Oh, well, well, does good exist? Or, you know, does evil exist? Well, it's just the absence of good. You know, does, does darkness exist? Well, it's just the absence of light. And, uh, and it's, and that young man was Albert Einstein. And it's, it's a totally made up story. It never happened. Um, and those things drive me bananas because I'm just like, how can anyone in their right mind, believe that this happened like for a second like and 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 the other side of it is like who's writing this to try to pass it off like a real story so that plays very heavily into my films where i think i kind of <laughs> have that reaction where i'm like no this didn't happen and the fact that you're trying to like pawn this off to me is is offensive to me personally but maybe just maybe People who make movies actually know what they're doing, and they need to make things interesting to sell tickets. <laughs> There's a thought, you know. I don't know. How about how about how about you? What's what's your take on all this? Well, I don't, I don't like I don't know if professional Hollywood filmmakers know what they're doing all the time, but <laughs> I will. Um, I will say I know. Like I knew going in that okay, this is based on a true story. In that it was like okay, there was this rescue mission. The, there was the Iran was the Iran hostage crisis. Like I knew, I knew there were all these events, and I'm I'm fine with it playing 
a little bit fast and loose with it. Like I don't want them. To, I don't want it to suddenly turn into a science fiction movie, although it kind of sort of did because there was a whole science fiction movie in there. But it felt it was reasonably true to. I like it when movies establish their rules and they're reasonably true to themselves. Whether that is true to the um, the the true the actual truth is another thing. But as if it can display a consistency in what it's trying to say and if all of the changed elements work to heighten the film, then I'm fine with it. I try not to let it bother me because if I let it bother me, then so many movies are suddenly like I are unwatchable and like, yes, biops yeah. are terrible and I probably won't watch them anyways, but uh, it's, you know, it, there's there. I know I, I know I am paying a ticket for to be entertained. If I were paying a ticket to be, to watch a documentary and then it was like if i watched a documentary about the making of the iran hostage rescue and i basically and it was just the movie argo i would be a little miffed yeah because i'm not i'm not there to be i'm there to actually like learn a little bit i want to know what actually happened and argo is a great piece of entertainment but it's not it's not a documentary and it's not claiming to be it's just telling you flat out that some of the elements and the characters here are are real and they're true and that's okay and i do uh what are your thoughts on showing the actor and the character they were playing at the end of end of movies like argo or in other in, or in other instances fan no fan i actually like that i i because i think it's almost a, a way for the filmmakers to be like hey here's how we were lying to you this entire time <laughs> And, yeah. and and it's like it's like the fact that you're showing me that oh yeah well you know this was this was the concept that we were working from and here's where we wound up and it's like okay yeah, yeah I can I can see where you're deceiving me and I, I, I guess that somehow makes me feel better at the end <laughs> yeah and plus also when you get a uh... A soundbite from uh, Jimmy Carter. You're probably in good company. Yeah, good I was. I, I thought that was that was pretty cool. Uh, typically, yeah. though, I am not a fan of text at the end of a movie. That always feels like a, oh boy. Well, uh, we could film this, or we could just throw some some words over there. But at the same time, um, you know, that's a real easy solution that gets you right to the point without kicking out the running time. So. It's kind of a necessary yeah. evil, I guess. Yeah, I'm generally a fan of the the text because sometimes it can be really powerful, and also a lot of the like the what came after is not necessarily germane to the the movie that they're they're telling the story. That's so 100%, it's like okay, right. and here, the 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 other the other fun things like uh, recently there was uh, Bridge of Spies. They had like a long wall of text afterwards, but in it, they revealed that yeah, and Tom Hanks character basically like he saved, you know, these three people. And then he went and saved like 20,000 other people in some other negotiation. You're like, Holy shit, Tom Hanks character. That's great. And good for you. And now we can see where like he sort of got his superpowers from or something like that. Not that it's super, it's a superhero movie, but you get the idea. So it's, it's, it's a nice little, it's a nice little, it's not necessary, but it's a nice little cherry on the top of a, uh, of the movie Sunday, shall we say? Yeah, okay. Um, so, Greg Argo, are you going to ask again? 
deserve to win? Yeah, yeah. Uh, based based on the 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 uh, other films that I have seen, um, yeah, yeah. I think it it rightfully received the best picture, even though I have to say when I heard that it was announced before I had seen it, my my gut reaction was, oh, of course, Hollywood loves movies about Hollywood. That's like the oldest thing in the like the oldest uh, cliche is like, oh yeah, they're gonna always elect a movie to be best picture if it's about them. Especially if it's about right. them, you know, saving hostages. But you know what? That was that's that was uh, uh, that was me uh, being uh, overly cynical this one time, and uh, it was completely deserved of its its best picture status. Okay, I w- I now I'm curious. To, I'd, I'd want to bring it back for the artist, which is a movie about Hollywood as well, which won Best Picture I think three or four years beforehand, as well as well. Mm. But uh, you know what? Having this conversation with you, I was a little like, man, eh, maybe Lincoln, maybe Django, but I'm gonna say, you know what? I think uh, I think Argo, Argo, rightfully so. Good job. Whoa. Kudos to you, Ben Affleck, for directing a uh, a fine thriller. It's you know it's it's a it's a it's a it's a great it's a great movie. Uh, highly recommend it. And you know the Academy, I definitely think you made the made the right choice. I want more Alan Arkin, but I want more Alan Arkin in probably everything. So I would love a movie just based on his character and John Goodman, like actually trying oh. to do a movie. Like like they they decide to actually go in business <laughs> together and try to actually make a movie. I would just watch that. That would be fantastic. Oh, like a that'd, buddy that'd comedy. Be so great. That'd be, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> It'd be like the player, but with you know these two guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Be, just give me oh, give me give me Argo so fu- Argo fuck yourself the movie. That's what I just want that movie. <laughs> oh fantastic. And uh okay. And on that note we're going to wrap it up. Greg, where can people find you if they want to get in touch? Uh, they can find me on, um, let's see, all the social medias. Uh, if you type in This Was Rad, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, uh, we're on iTunes. We'd love reviews, as as would Steve, for uh, for this wonderful podcast. Um, Thank you. We're also, uh, the main place where our podcast lives, though, is uh, uh, podbean.com slash thiswasrad. That's where you can find our our stuff. But we would prefer you subscribe on iTunes and leave us a a uh, a rating. That's that would be fantastic. We would be forever grateful if you would do that. Yeah, preferably a glowing rating. It's a uh, it's a great it's a great podcast. But we'll take anything. I'll take anything. I'll take a one star if you don't like my voice or whatever. I don't like my voice either. But uh, any any anyone any ears are I guess good ears. I suppose. But definitely, uh, definitely subscribe. You can find me, and who knows? You can find Oscar Watch at uh, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Oscar Watch Pod, Twitter, and Instagram. We got a Facebook group. Like, yes, yeah, subscribe on iTunes. You can find us on uh, SoundCloud.com/slash Oscar Watch Podcast as well. And any uh, emails you like to send, send to Oscar Watch Podcast at gmail.com. This has been. The 2012 Best Picture winner, Argo, directed by Ben Affleck. Next week, I am joined by a new co-host, Chris Olson of the Pop Culture Lens podcast, and we will be talking about the 1992 Best Picture winner, 
Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven. So, and I am uh, really looking forward to that because I am totally outclassed by his uh, his intellect, and it's gonna be it should be a very interesting conversation. Greg, thank you so much for coming in and filling in. You've been a wonderful co-host. We are going to have you back absolutely. And yeah, sticker yeah, just keep listening and I'll keep listening to you and uh oh you got what's coming up on uh, this was rad. You did you did rad well, what's next? We did we did rad. We have Back to the Future coming up uh next week. And uh and I, I will oh. be back on this podcast anytime I can and anytime you invite me. I I love being on it, it's great. And uh yeah. <laughs> keep 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 doing it, man, because I love listening to this podcast, so I hope it keeps going. Yeah. I love doing it with you, man. And we will definitely have you back. So, uh, in the meantime, we'll see you at the movies.